0: It's the mighty rise of the 1, Three,
1: two, one, zero.
2: Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come here for a minute. I want to talk to you.
3: That's the mama say
2: your
0: brain dead, bang your head against the wall.
3: Bang, 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 bang. Mind,
0: peace of mind, brain needs an overhaul. Bonehead, brain
3: dead. We're all the same. You can't think straight. Then your heart is in pain. Turn around, hit the ground, trying to, to lay your burden down.
2: I ain't gonna lie to you,
3: I wouldn't lie to you baby Good guys, bad boys, we're all the same Saved by grace is the name of the game Turn around, hit the ground, time to lay your burden down Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, Denver's here Good morning My wife Marsha's here Hello 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 (laughs) Hello Marv's here Yes, I am Yes, he is And our very special guest, Heather G She is here Hello,
5: today. everyone Hello, Hello Heather
3: man. Hello, Heather Hello Hello <laughs> Heather's never done this before
5: nope, nope Yeah,
3: yeah So this is a new new experience for you
5: Brand
3: new Yes, indeed So we're going to be talking about codependency today Hooray <laughs> In fact, the title of this show is The Confessions of a Codependent And we are all in that category. Uh, not not every codependent is alcoholic or addict or, or whatever you want to call them. But every alcoholic and addict is pretty codependent in one way or another. And we're going to be talking about codependency. So um, just to start out with the definition – just my mic here a little bit. The definition of codependency according to Wikipedia – um, is a type of dysfunctional helping relationship where one person supports or enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. Pretty good. That makes it pretty now. It's, it goes a lot deeper than that, but that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So one more time. Codependency <clears throat> is a type of dysfunctional helping you know, relationship where one person supports or enables... And enables means that you help a person, you make them able to continue in an inappropriate behavior. Uh, Another is addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. By the way, not in all cases, but in many, among the core characteristics of codependency, the most common theme is an excessive reliance on other people for approval and a sense of identity. That can happen to a lot of folks, especially people that are addicts or alcoholics in their codependency. Because a lot of, of what is driving an addict or an alcoholic many times is the need for approval and a sense of identity. So that's real prevalent in the addict and alcoholic. So we're going to be talking about codependency today. Uh, before we get into that, though... Um, just check this out. Oh, by the way, and we just want to say, Tony, hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Yeah, to- Tony is uh, suffering from uh, an eye illness, and um, it's really uncomfortable, and uh, she's she's rather contagious right at the moment, so it's a good <laughs> thing she's home, but, uh, Tony, we love you, and take care of yourself. <coughs> uh, it's important that you do that. Miss you. And we miss you. We do, we do, we do. Um, so check this out. For 17 years... Uh, Shefflant Lani Queen Suffered uh, Periodic episodes of violent Retching and abnormal pain That would knock her off her feet for days Sometimes leaving her withering On the floor in pain Uh, She says I screamed out For death says Queen 48 Who lives in San Diego I've cried out For my mom who's been dead for 20 years Mentally not realizing she can't Come to me Queen lost A modeling job after being mistaken For an alcoholic She racked up tens of thousands of dollars In medical bills And her nausea interrupted her sex life Toward the end of her illness The 5 foot 9 inch woman weighed Just 109 pounds Throughout the nearly two decades Of pain, vomiting and mental fog Queen visited the hospital about three times a year But doctors never got to the bottom Of what was ailing her By 2016 She thought she was dying And she must have some sort of cancer or something they can't detect, Queen recalls. But she didn't have cancer. She had an obscure syndrome called cannabinoid hypremesis syndrome, CHS. A condition only recently acknowledged by the medical community, it affects marijuana users who smoke multiple times a day for months, years, or even decades. There's no hard data on the prevalence of the illness, but in California and Colorado which have loosened marijuana laws in recent years, some emergency physicians say they're seeing it more often. Dr. Amy Mullen, an emergency room physician at UC Davis Medical Center in Sacramento, says she has seen a rise in the number of cases since California voters legalized recreational marijuana use uh, last November. She expects to see another increase after commercial sales are are permitted starting this month. Um, The article goes on to state that doctors say it's difficult to treat the condition. There is no cure other than to quit using marijuana. And many patients are skeptical that cannabis is making them sick. Well, of course they are. (laughs) So they keep using it and their vomiting episodes continue. Doctors can do little to relieve the symptoms and traditional anti-nausea medications often don't work and there are no pills to prevent the onset of the episode. Patients may need intravenous hydration in hospital stays until the symptoms subside. It's very frustrating for the emergency physician, says Mullen. I really like to make people feel better, and they won't. The article goes on to talk about this, but these are people that have been using marijuana long term. And so what was even in the area of cancer was meant or thought to help nausea actually is backfiring and causing this terrible, terrible uh, condition uh, called CHS where the person violently is violently vomiting. And, and I mean, you know, so for all of those out there that are, Oh, it doesn't hurt you to smoke marijuana. Well, think again. Maybe if you put your right fighting aside and, and don't think, oh, well, they're just trying to scare you. Heck, half these doctors smoke pot themselves. They're, they, they're getting—they're getting paid to research it. That's the only interest they have. Uh, so, come on. And then this is this is comes from a news source at Oregon Public Broadcasting, by the way, and the American Medical Association. So there you go. I just thought that was extremely interesting. I seen that um, article on social media too. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just not a good deal. It's just not wisdom at all. And uh so, you know, if that's your thing, just be warned. Stop right there. Uh oh.
0: It's time <laughs> for Man's weekly wine.
3: That's right. So I <laughs> here's a little wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. Tony loves the baby. So um so Heather, you guys don't know whine about? I do. All right, uh, bring it on.
5: Okay. So I recently moved about a month ago um from Albany to Brownsville. Right. And you gotta
3: you're gonna have to come okay. right up on that mic. Sorry, microphone. is that there better? Yeah.
5: Um so I moved about a month ago and I had called ahead of time to CenturyLink, who is my internet provider, that I needed it switched and I gave him the day and it was all set up. Right. And um, they had said, I think the first time they said it was going to be a a Saturday, that they would just push a button and it would be on. (laughs) Well, okay, great. So I get all moved in and I'm all excited and get my TV set up because I don't have cable. I just have um, Netflix and and I stream.
3: Yeah, like Hulu stuff. Right, right. Amazon
5: Prime. And so it wasn't working. And so I thought, well, maybe it's user error. Maybe I've done something <laughs> wrong. Right. Um, so I call, and, and they said, oh, we don't know what's going on. We'll get a technician out you know, early next week. So I took a day, a half a day off of work. Yeah. And um, for the next week for them to come out. And I wait the entire time until it's like maybe a half hour before. And I call and say, well, you were supposed to be here. Are you guys coming? And they said, oh, well, we, we have the, the order's been canceled. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't cancel it. So that happened. And um, so they set up another appointment. Um, I think I had to take some more time off of work. Mm-hmm. And several days later, um, they don't show up again. 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 So I call again. And this time they have some other excuse. Um uh, so of course I freak out, talk to a manager, the manager gets on the line and it's all the same. Oh, we're sorry, it must be a mess up in the system. Our system's messed up. And I said, "Well, why would you guys continue to have a system that you know is flawed? I mean, what's <laughs> Our going on system. here?" You know, Our and the system's and, messed up. Right, right, <laughs> it's been messed yeah. up. We're sorry, man. Uh, blah blah. And so okay. Well. So it ends up that after all said and done, after waiting almost two weeks for them to show up and do it, it ends up it was only some button they had to push. I guess oh, they had to reset yeah. something on the other side, and then it worked. And the but, other people told you they couldn't come out on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I forgot that part. Yeah. What, they had set up one of the appointments <clears throat> for another Saturday and uh, come to find out they don't even work Saturdays, so that was just a big,
6: nice, another screw communication. Yeah, wrong button again,
5: again. Marv, do you have cable where you live? I,
2: I, no, I don't.
3: Did you when you had the the ranch? Uh, I had dish, yeah, dish. Yeah, we were you okay with them? Were they okay? Pretty Pretty much, much. yeah, 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 we've been okay with them too, but the cable's come. And CenturyLink's the worst.
5: They're awful. That's what I've heard. They
3: are the worst. Is that the only company that reaches where you're at?
5: Well, they're the cheapest. And I guess now I know (laughs) why. Now
3: you know why. Bad buttons.
6: Bad buttons.
5: Bad system.
3: Yeah, because because we have a bad system. Oh, and by the way, we don't work on Saturday, even though we told you we do.
5: Exactly. (laughs) We don't know why we told you that, ma'am. We're sorry.
3: Oh, my God. Well, yeah. yeah, And that's a legitimate wine. Yeah. It definitely is. Um, so I, I have one and I, I understand that in the food service industry, it can be, it can be very hectic. And if you've ever waited tables or if you've even even bus tables and you're busy, it can, it can be grueling. And if you're in middle management and food service, it's even worse because you have these high demands from the owner and then you have people that work under you that, you have high turnover and that kind of thing and and it can be rough. So I understand. But darn it, when I order my bread with my meal and you don't bring me butter and I ask <laughs> you for butter and you say I'll I'll have that right to you, sir, and 20 minutes goes by, I'm not happy. <laughs>
0: hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm just not – I don't get that. Or when I say, can I get some extra dressing? Yes, we'll have that right out. And it doesn't come, and I can't eat my salad because you don't bring me my – So I am not happy with people not bringing my butter. (laughs) All right. Yeah. There Make you go sure it. you bring this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was very gentle. You didn't mention that any was a, names. That wasn't gentle. Yeah. That was gentle. Yeah. yeah but where was the where was the restaurant we ate at the other yeah, night? let have a name. Where, yeah. Well, no, the manicotti was some of the best I've ever had. <laughs> where what what was that place called? Um, in Corvallis.
4: Pastinis.
3: Pastinis. Pastinis in Corvallis. Best manicotti I've ever had. Yeah. It was marvelous, but mm. they couldn't get It through their head to bring me my butter, yeah. Shame, and he
4: sits shame. there and he just stews, stews. and stews. And what? I'm like, Well, you can go ahead and eat. Your, I can't eat know. my bread without my no, butter, I can't. He and just sits there, he's what? already
6: getting ready to wine. And
4: I'm he getting wasn't I, that's my wine is watching him wine.
3: Well, and there's this thing with these Italian restaurants now where they don't, they don't, it's they're insulted if you ask for butter because the bread comes with. Balsamic vinegar and oil. You're not supposed to use butter, I guess. I guess in Italy, that it was, I don't know where I come from, you do. I know. <laughs> and my poor wife is like, oh, no. Yes, it's a torch
4: I bear. And the, and, 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 and
3: the other wine, we're going to wine for Tony.
4: Okay.
3: okay. Yay, Tony. What's her wine? Well, to- Tony has pink eye. And that's, that's considered contagious and infectious disease or illness. And it is, it is against the law for a food service industry to require you to work with an infectious, contagious illness. I would
0: hope they so. They can't
3: do that. Yeah. I, look, I looked it up under Oregon State Laws. They can't do that. And uh, her employer was going to make her work. Oh my. And I said you need to call you need to call your boss. I mean the boss boss, the owner or the general manager. Of course she did and they said, "No way, you're not coming to work." Right. But but there are there are food industries that make you work when you're sick. And uh, so for Tony, good for you for calling your boss. And you said, well, "I don't want to get fired." So, well I'll tell you what. If they fire you for not bringing contagious illness to work, mm-hmm. you're going to be the richest employee.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um yeah, so Tony don't don't you worry, kid. Yeah. And get better. And get better. Absolutely. All right. So uh, yeah, that wine was a, not not too radical give today. Her the, give her the
6: baby, huh? And can you do that from there? Give, give her, her the, the baby. baby. She likes the baby. She likes
3: the baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, so uh, we're gonna take a break and we come back. We got some take12 trivia and then we'll get into our topic. Don't go away, listen to this. time to burden down. Hey, check this out. Coming Wednesday, February 7th, take 12 Recovery Radio will debut our brand new show. The Victory Report. Participants in the ministry of Teen Challenge of Arizona will be sharing their experience, strength, and hope as it relates to overcoming life-controlling issues by the power of God. Don't miss these exciting testimonies of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to a place of wholeness and healing. So mark your calendars for Wednesday, February 7th, Available to listen to and download beginning at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Where? At Take12Radio.com. That's Take12Radio.com for the all-new Victory Report. Sponsored by Take12 Recovery Radio and available on iTunes with apps for Android and iOS at Take12RecoveryRadio.Podomatic.com.
1: Mom and Dad used to argue about everything, especially about Dad's drinking. It drove me crazy. It got so bad, I couldn't do my homework. I couldn't concentrate. I absolutely refused to let any of my friends come to our house for any reason. I would have been humiliated if anyone found out how much my dad drank and how loud my mom screamed at him. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful. The only thing that happened is my mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. Her relationship with my dad really changed. I asked mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I wanted to see if I could have a better relationship with my dad. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or al family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to Alanon.org. <laughs>
3: All right, we are back. We are back. <laughs> it's two bangs. I think Cecil has take twelve trivia for us.
0: Well, Zippity Doodah and Zippity A, it's time for that wonderful trivia game that we play.
3: It's a favorite with Denver. It's a favorite with the Monty Man. And Tony, she just cracks up all night long. That's what she does, yes. And Marv loves it.
0: And I'm sure, I'm really sure that Heather is going to love some of the Take 12 trivia. (laughs) Take it away, Monty.
3: Okay, Cecil, thank you. You recognize that... that background music never
6: i hope it's not the girl on uh, it is is it, it the one that you posted oh on my goodness the, if, if you're on social media uh, please come check out one of our sites uh, i posted uh, this gal in this uh, egyptian looking outfit that plays a juice harp and does some wild critter sounds horses and uh, birds i believe the, the screaming is just hawk. weird just, uh, yeah, that's yeah, why I, I posted it, it would be a long ride to Arizona with her. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she's got it going on for sure, though.
3: All right, we have more useless trivia this week uh, just for Heather. So, Heather, you're Yay. our guest, so you get, to, you get to choose first. These are true and false for the most part. Okay. Number one there are more chickens in the world than people. True or false?
5: <laughs> true.
3: What do you say, Marcia? True or false?
5: You and if you get, get it wrong, wrong, remember you get the. No.
3: You say no, you say it's false. Yeah. What do you think, Denver? True or false? More Jeez. chickens? I don't know where you got it, but I'm going with no. No? no Marv, what do you think? No. No? Yeah. Well, you guys are wrong. Heather's right. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Heather. Yeah, there are more chickens in the world than people. <laughs> oh, you got a bell. Thanks. How many vocal sounds do cat, cats have? Here are your choices: uh, 10, 30, 50, or over 100. What do you think, Heather? How many vocal sounds do cats have? say 10 30 50 or over 100
5: 50 she has cats i know How about Mar- get this marv way? what do you
3: think uh oh, 10 10 marsha uh,
4: my first inclination was 10
3: what do you think denver <sighs> you
6: said 50
4: She's you got cats. last time i got
0: two i'm, but going, I don't know.
6: I, I'm going with 100 Ooh. denver's oh. right over 100 oh. sounds. and the rest
4: She's
3: of talking. you are I've heard him make a few
6: of them, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> Around how many vocal sa- uh, sounds do dogs have? 25, 10, or 35? 35.
6: 35?
2: Marcia? 35. Denver? 35. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you are all wrong. They have oh. only
3: 10.
1: What? Oh, jeez. Really? You the way, set us up with that. And, and by yeah. the way,
3: unless they're, unless they're hyenas, which I don't think they're in the dog family, but dogs can't laugh. <laughs> they can? They can
6: uh. smile. Oh. I think I've heard more than ten sounds come out of
3: them. Yeah, it's, it's Are you counting both ends?
5: I was going to
1: say, <laughs> is it after they eat? Right. <laughs>
3: yeah, we know that Nala has more than ten. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most elephants elephants weigh less than the tongue of a blue whale.
5: The tongue.
3: Yeah. Do most elephants weigh less than a tongue? The tongue of a blue I'm whale. Gonna
5: say uh,
4: Oh,
5: I'm going to say yes. I agree. I agree.
3: They weigh less. I say, say yes. Guess? Marv? I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> do elephants weigh less than the tongue of a blue whale? No.
4: Oh, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, see, I'm I'm changing my.
3: You say they don't weigh they less? Don't. What do you think, Denver? If anyone's ever
6: checked out a cow tongue, it's a pretty large thing, so I would imagine in a whale it's large. I'm going with an elephant weighs less than a yeah,
5: tongue. Yeah, that's right. So, yes, yep.
3: Yep, you're right. They weigh Yay! less than the tongue of a blue whale. Yeah, yeah. yeah? tongues yeah. are Big humongous
6: egg. if you actually extract one.
3: Blip, 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 blip.
4: I guess. <laughs> Have you ever done
3: that?
6: No, <laughs> no, but I've seen them. Oh, okay. yeah.
3: True or false? Peanuts True. are one of the <laughs> peanuts are one of the ingredients in dynamite.
6: Yes. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah, I, I say yes. Yeah, I think Marv. I guess <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've been wrong. I've been wrong before. I think
4: Annie. Eh? That seems too weird. No. Yeah, well, they are.
6: Yeah. Yeah. They mm-hmm. actually are. How'd you know that, Denver? Uh, it's the oil in. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to roll with that. And, yeah, I looked oh, at you and I had to start laughing. No.
5: <laughs> it, it
6: has something to do with the oil. Yeah.
3: There are 293 <laughs> ways to make sure change for a dollar.
5: I'm sorry, there's how many? <laughs> there, are
3: two or, there are 293 ways to make change for a dollar. True or false, Heather? False. False, Marsha? False. Marv? True.
6: I'm going to go with true. I like that.
3: Yeah, you guys are right. It's yeah. true. What? Yeah, girls, yeah. wrong, girls. <laughs> Tigers have striped skin, not just striped fur. Marv, true or false?
2: Um,
3: uh, yeah, true. It's possible. Heather, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible.
5: Uh, I agree. True,
3: false. Marcia says false. I'm going to go with false. Yeah. Well, you two are wrong. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Heather and <laughs> Marv are correct. So what? Yeah, they do have striped skin. <laughs> The animal responsible for the most human deaths is a mosquito. True or false? <laughs> Denver? No. No? Marsh? True? Heather? True. Marv? Come on, Marv. Do mosquitoes cause the most human true. Yep, yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, the mosquito is responsible for more human deaths than any other living creature. All right. All right. What's the second one? What's the second animal,
6: huh? <laughs> oh, <wow>. A gnome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: All right. Uh, there's four choices here. Butterflies taste with their antennas, wings, feet, or tongues.
4: Where do you find these? Questions? I know it. These are crazy.
3: In gnome <laughs> Land. <laughs> this, is, this is where he's at at night with the gnomes <laughs> out here I on know. the internet.
0: That's true.
6: <laughs> I'm going to the restaurant.
3: Do they, ta- uh, Heather? Do they taste? Do they taste with their antennas, wings, feet, or tongues?
5: Antennas.
3: Marv. Antennas. Marcia.
5: They, tongues. Tongues? What do
6: you think? I didn't know they had <laughs> Oh, I guess they do. Uh <laughs> <coughs> let's go with feet. Deborah's right. Ooh, they actually
0: taste with their feet. Crazy. You
6: shoot in the
3: dark and boom, uh-huh. what do you
6: get? I'm Sparklers. You.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: uh-huh. oh, okay, here's your last one. Hallelujah. Um which character is not in the Flintstones chewable vitamins? Alright. <sighs> Barney Rubble, Fred Flintstone? Betty Rubble Or Wilma Flintstone Who is not In the Flintstone uh-huh. Chewable vitamins
6: I can tell you right now
3: Barney, Fred Betty or Wilma <laughs> Betty Yeah, Betty, Betty. Betty's Betty. not It's Wilma Oh, Deborah you're, you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> It is Betty yeah. Betty is not a vitamin well, Why would Betty, Betty, Betty Not popular. be in there
4: She wasn't know, yeah, she's just The background <laughs> Yeah
6: Wow That's kind of mean <laughs> Wow <laughs> Right
4: Yeah
6: <laughs> Ow <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Poor Betty.
0: Jeez,
2: <laughs> well, that sets a tone for the whole program. Yes, right? it is. so man, I'm done.
6: I'm out
3: of here. Ah, there it is. There it is. Tune into that, folks. Yes, yes, indeedy. All right. Uh, so, confessions of a codependent. Now, we've all experienced codependency to to some some more extremes than others. Uh, Marv, what?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ever
2: been codependent, Mars? Yes, so more than likely, yeah. 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 You have an example? Um not right off the top of my head, but I can tell you this, my daughter has accused me of being codependent.
3: Oh, I thought you, so. you said your daughter <laughs> was codependent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but your daughter's accused you of it. Yes. Yeah. She's pretty sharp. So she probably I saw, has examples. I'm probably right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: Denver, how about you? Dysfunctional helpful. You used that term when we first started
3: Yeah, a type of dysfunctional helping relationship where one person supports or enables another person's inappropriate behavior.
6: Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, you want to help people. And uh, I've been on the taking end of this. You know, Mm -hmm. I've taken advantage of people being where I come from. But yes, I believe all of us probably. You want to help somebody, and in the end, you're not really helping. You're enabling, you're allowing them to continue. So.
3: But you can really believe, especially if you don't know anything about this, you can really believe that you're being helpful, right? Since I do know about about it. it,
6: It's difficult since I do know about it. But you're right. Somebody that uh, is is not uh, been aware of addiction will step into this and carry somebody for a long, long time. Yeah. When you're not doing yourself any good, most certainly, and you're not helping the other person
2: either.
3: Now, Marcia's my wife, so we won't ask her. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Marsha ever been codependent?
4: I have got stories. Yeah, I got oh, <laughs>
3: Time for me to leave. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget he's got the kill button on it. Yeah. There, so. Right. Silence. All true. All true?
0: Yeah. My stories are all true. Yeah. Yeah, true, yeah. True, true, yeah. true,
3: true, true. true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Give she, us an example. Tell the story about the uh the checkbook in the pocket. Oh, yeah.
4: We were just dating. We weren't um if you call it dating, we never really had a dating, you know. What would you experience. call it? Experience. Well, he was in. You can say it. Okay, he was in Teen Challenge working, and so they didn't allow. They really didn't <gasps> allow any type of. Anyway, don't touch. Don't so look. Don't talk. He was <laughs> yeah, really don't. Don't don't. Yeah. Um, he was so. We were still just getting to know each other. And um, he had come over. And I don't know if I had been gone and you were there or if you were there. Anyway, he found my checkbooks. So he had to look. You know, he had to be snooping and all that. But he finds uh, my checkbooks. And he's acting a little weird. I know nothing about addiction um, never met a drunk person in my life. Probably couldn't tell you if a person was drunk or not. I had no idea, nothing. And so he's he is acting weird. I know that he's not acting himself. And he gives me a hug. He walks out the door, and I notice he has my checkbook in his back pocket. And my mind's going, he has your checkbook, but the other part's going, no he couldn't have my checkbook why would he be doing that why would he do that <clears throat> and so i'm you know my mind's going a mile a minute he's trying to leave you know get out as fast as he can and it's like this voice said take that checkbook out of his pocket don't let <laughs> him leave with it what are you doing and i'm like but i can't because You know, he's such a nice person and and surely he's not going to do anything wrong with it. But why Uh would he have it? You know, and this is in a split Uh second. Well, he leaves and I'm still mulling it over. What is he what is he doing? Why does he have it? Why did he find it? You know, all these questions. And um, then about three weeks later, I find out what he had planned for my checkbook. What he had done is he took several different pads um, of checks and he wrote, um, well, no, I take this back. You had taken one pad of checks, but there was like four pads left. And what I found out is in each pad, he wrote the last check. So Um. I didn't find out till quite a while later that there's these other checks missing. From your other book. Yeah, that's still in my box. I see. So then I I get this call from the bank. And, of course, he forged them. um, And when you forge checks, it's not, you know, highly recommended. (laughs) So I had to go before the grand jury. Oh, my. And it, it was a terrible mess because I was caught in this, you know, I loved him. But I got to tell on him and I have to be truthful because then I'm in trouble. And I wanted to drop it. I didn't want there to be a case. But at that point, it's a federal Mm -hmm. well, I don't know, is it federal?
3: Well, the banks have it, the state has it. Yeah. 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 So it's It's, not, yeah, forgery is a felony. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So I wanted to just drop it. I'm, you know. Your codependent self
3: wanted to drop it. Right. Yeah.
4: Because I didn't (laughs) want, I knew what was coming. Here I am before the grand jury. And my dad was with me, and my pastor went with me to the grand jury, and I come out, and the attorney, district attorney, Haljan, yeah, yeah, he was so mean Aww. to me. Is <laughs> like Called you, you need fool, to get you need to get yeah. rid of it. Well, actually, we I had walked out of the grand jury room, and my dad and my pastor on both sides, and he yells down the hall. You need to you need to get rid of this guy, he's a loser. And they both turned back to look. And I grabbed them by their arms and was trying to pull them, keep going, oh, because man. they didn't know what I had just you know, um, experienced in yeah. there. And yeah, so anyway it came down to I have I don't have the authority to drop the charges. I can't do that. It's now in their hands. But and... your
3: codependency wanted to drop it. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So code kind of intimacy is, uh, is a big deal And Heather I'm going to give you a chance To kind of share your story here um, But really quickly I want to go through Five phrases manipulators say To make you feel crazy i hmm. us see if you can identify with any of these oh, sure. Number one You're misunderstanding what I said
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> This is a common phrase Uttered by manipulators When they're caught in the act of saying Or doing something deceptive But well, you, did, you you misunderstood I didn't say that Mm-hmm. Number two, you're acting crazy, irrational, illogical.
5: Right.
3: This phrase is a close cousin to the first. The purpose here again is to create a sense of doubt or confusion in you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three, you're too sensitive.
4: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a big one.
3: Does that, does that sound familiar. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: No, you're not. You're a logical human being. Nobody would respond kindly to being taken advantage of, but they'll say that you're 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 being too sensitive. Here's uh, here's number four. I don't like drama. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> in fact, serial manipulators thrive on it. They just do it in a different way. Generally speaking, manipulators don't express drama in the physical sense. They don't shrug their shoulders, sigh heavily, or speak loudly. They prefer to go about their business by manipulating others in subtle, less obvious ways. And number five, you're thinking too much. <laughs>
5: Yeah, just stop thinking. Okay. Yeah, just stop
3: <laughs> thinking. Yeah. Uh, here's a change. Maybe you are thinking too much. Maybe not. Even if you are in this sense, it's a productive development. It's a positive because you're rationalizing, refusing the psychological tricks that manipulators often use to get away with. So maybe you're thinking too much is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so those are, those are very five common ones. Does this sound familiar
5: to you, Heather? Absolutely, all of them. Yeah. 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 So...
3: Uh, Eight signs that you might be codependent Number one, you think you can help your partner to change (laughs) Even though you have not been successful In getting your loved one to change in the past You keep trying Number two, you say yes when you really mean no And then feel resentful about it Number three, you have so much love to give But your loved one seems to reject it Giving until it hurts is your motto When you're in a codependent relationship uh, number four, their mood affects your mood.
0: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Uh, five, you rarely do anything away from your loved one. So in many codependent relationships, you'll follow them around like a puppy to protect them, to fix them, to guard them against whatever. Number six, you worry about them rejecting or leaving you. Yeah. They, they won't love me anymore. They, they'll think that I don't like them. Uh, number seven, you fantasize about getting out. <laughs> and number eight, your loved one's behavior is borderline or over the line abusive. <coughs> Sometimes you're afraid of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so those are just those are just some signs right there. So Heather, uh, all right. So yes. you have uh, a brother mm-hmm. who has been in active addiction for some time. Yes but Also has experienced some amount of recovery.
5: Yeah. Thir- right. 13 years he was clean. Clean for something. 13 years? Yeah. Uh
3: was he actively was he actively in a recovery program or did he attend meetings or
5: Well, um he started out in an Oxford House in Salem. Okay. Um and he was there for about 3 years and he became really high up there um like the president of the house. Okay. Um and then after about 3 years, he decided it was time to move on. Um, and for about a year, I think, or so after that, he stayed in different, in a group. Um, but then after that, he didn't, he just stopped, but he was fine. I mean, I say that, but <laughs> sure. for, I mean, as far as everyone knew, um, to the point to where we all forgot, cause he, he, before he got clean for the 13 years, he was out on the street in Eugene for about 10 years. Um, wow. He, it was the life he chose. I mean, obviously, I guess not in that way, but, right. um, he I didn't want to, he didn't want to do the things he needed to do to get clean at that point. Right. So we hardly would talk to him over that time. Maybe once a year he'd call, uh, we had no way to get a hold of him because
3: he separated himself. Exactly. Right? He, Re- not because you right. rejected him. Right. No,
5: absolutely not. Um, and then he showed up at my sister's house one day, uh, and she took him in, and the deal was no drugs. And um, he made the decision to use drugs. And actually, it was really scary. Um, my two nieces, who were six and four at the time, are the ones that found his drugs in the room he was in at my sister's. Um, they and thank God they had the. Who it was God, <laughs> yeah. because they they came out and told my sister, "What's this white stuff in Uncle Mike's room?" And so she went right in there because she's a recovered addict as right. well. And she knew, obviously, um, what he'd been up to. And sure enough, she found meth in there. And so she that's how he got to the Oxford house because she said to him, Mike, you can't stay here. Your options are, you know, you, you can I can take you to an Oxford house because she had called ahead of time, I guess, before he got home. Mm-hmm. And said, those are your options. You just leave, you know, or I'll take you to get help. I've got you a place at, you know, Oxford. And he agreed to go. And that started his road to recovery. Right. And then 13 years later, um, he relapsed in a big way.
3: Yeah. And he stayed in it.
5: And he stayed in it for uh, just about a year before he got arrested for selling. This this last time? Yeah. Yeah. So so okay so
3: what's happening fast forward now mm-hmm. um well let's let's go back okay. for a minute so uh before he gets arrested however mm-hmm. oh. you and he had a relationship that yeah. you now know uh, was yeah. very codependent <laughs> very and you had an opportunity to kind of scratch the surface of codependent recovery mm-hmm. with Marsha mm-hmm. right Um, What did you learn about yourself as it relates to your brother and your own codependency?
5: Uh, I learned a lot. (laughs) Um, Well, to start with, that I can't control it. Mm -hmm. Control him. Right. Control. And that word, it was really hard for me to wrap my mind around when I first started the recovery. Um, To think that I'm not controlling I'm not a control of person. I don't want to control him. I don't want, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't accept that. Um, But the bottom line is it comes from a place of love and caring, but it definitely is. I wanted to manage him. I wanted (laughs) to be his director and say, this is what you're going to do. These are the things you need to do. Um, And then he, of course, wouldn't do them. And so it was just this vicious cycle. And for the first probably and and plus you got to remember it was 13 years and so in my mind it was it I was stunned I was in denial for the first few months I didn't believe what people were telling me my sister would say heather how could you not see that he's using again oh it's just alcohol he's drinking too much um we need to you know we need to talk to him about that i he, i don't think he's using meth there's no way he would do that again he <laughs> ruined his life why would he ever i mean because at this point these 13 years he's built a life he has his own home he right. has a job that he's had the same job for 10 years um you get so used to the i guess the new you yeah. know it, it was just really difficult so anyway maybe I'm making excuses for my <laughs> behavior but um so yeah it was a lot of that for the first several months i gave him money i paid his bills um i and then, and then, of course, then when I finally accepted, okay, I'm just fueling his addiction. I cannot do that anymore. So then I stopped that. Um, did, he, did he get angry with you? Absolutely. You betcha. He did. How could you do this? I'm, my, I have no electricity. How am I going to get my... Because you're
3: getting in the way of his ability to use. Right. And that's his lifeline.
5: Right. And, and that's, not
3: a, that's not a moral judgment on him. Right. That's just part of the addiction right yeah. so go ahead
5: well and then uh so then that I stopped giving him money but I still was very codependent because I would uh every week on a sunday usually I'd bring him care packages so <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't give him money but I'd have a big bag full of food his favorite things cigarettes cigarettes Oh, so you, um. brought him, you
3: brought him drugs. <laughs> we, we,
6: we like care packages.
5: <laughs> and to me, that was okay because I wasn't giving him money. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, I'm in turmoil because I know the person that he is. And, again, the director in me, the person that's like, okay, let's get your life back on track. I can help you. Um, so very emotionally involved mm-hmm. very sure very traumatic for for not just me, our whole family. Um so
3: okay so so now let's fast forward to um he was arrested. Yes. Right. And he's he has spent how long?
5: He's been in for well, by the well by time he gets out, right now he's been there a year and four months. It'll be a year five months, about a year and a half.
3: Right. Right. He's getting ready to get out. Yes. And you have moved to Brownsville. Yes. And on your property, you have a separate building?
5: It's a garage, a detached garage. Right. And above it's a small apartment. Small apartment. Mm -hmm.
3: And you have decided to let him move into that part of your property. Yes. Okay. So, what are you thinking? What is what is your thinking around this? Well, how how have you come to this decision? And I'm going to put you on the spot. I know are it. you <laughs> sure about Are you sure about
5: this? Well, what I what I am sure about is that there's maybe it is a codependent thing, but there's this part of me that wants to because I know that well, he's your brother, right? Right, yeah. and because I know because we've seen him do it, we know that he can he can if he just has an opportunity then he can get back on track
3: why and i don't say this in any judgment or all, it's just a question right. why are you the person to give him the opportunity
5: that's a good question i guess i feel probably that same part of me feels like There isn't anyone else. Maybe I don't know my sister, but then Mm -hmm. our parents have passed away, grandparents passed away, Um, so it's a, it's just the few of us left. And I think there's this strong sense of family. Family keeping family
4: takes care of family,
5: right? And I feel like if it was my niece or if it was my sister. I would give them that chance or if it
3: was you, I'd want, want a chance that right? chance right
5: um, but on the same token, don't think that there's not fear or anxiety um, and a lot of prayer um, basically <clears throat> just saying to God, whatever your will is, you know here mm-hmm. of course, here's what I would like to happen, <laughs> you sure. know, the great Heather, you know. <laughs> movie this is how it's going to go um but i know that it's not up to me it's mm-hmm. up to it's up to my brother and it's you know i say up to god but i know that we all have our own we make our own decisions yeah but what i pray for is just strength um to know the signs to know that when he if he starts using again and also to have the strength to to mm-hmm. to be able to say of course, I've told him, but in the moment, mm-hmm. you right. know, um, to pray for the strength to be able to say to him, no, I told you, you can't do that here um, because not only would it be risking him, I feel since it's in my home on my property, it'd be, I'd be at risk. Um, and mm-hmm. I've met with his parole officer several times. Um, And he's even said, and I've told him, you know, I'll I'll have no choice because he asked me the question, too. Basically, you know, what are you going to do if that happens? And um, I said, I'll have no choice. It'll be hard, but I would have to call and say. He's violated his probation. And and then he, in turn, the parole officer said to me, and that's what you need to do because you can't wait. He said, if you wait— and they get deeper into it. It's a lot harder to get them back, mm-hmm. you know, right. on track. If you if we could get to it right away. And he said it may be that he wouldn't get jail time the first time. That may they may work with him and put him on a work crew, or mm-hmm. um,
3: there may be other consequences. May, that aren't so drastic,
5: right? If we could get it, if you get it right away.
3: So, I I made a statement, and Marv responded to this statement here a few weeks ago, and he went. Ain't that the truth? And what I said was, it was a show we did on um, um, responding to your addicted loved ones. And I said, don't make the mistake of looking at a short period of good behavior as being everything's okay. Right. You remember that? And you said, that's right, because pe- people make that... They'll say, well, they've been clean for 12 months. Everything's fine now. <clears throat> well, and also don't make the mistake that you can't use in prison because you can. So if he's staying <clears throat> clean while he's, while he's been in there, good for him.
5: He says so. Congratulations. I hope, so. I hope he has. Mm-hmm. Because,
3: because you can't... It, it, it's not hard to get it. It really isn't. And if you're an addict and if you're active you'll step over your mother's grave to get it. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that the illnesses come to a place where you're, you're desperate. So if he stay clean during this time, that's a good deal. Um, there's something to be said about longevity. Um, but please don't misunderstand a year of being a good boy as actually being in recovery. Because recovery isn't about just abstinence. If it was, if we just took the drugs or the alcohol away, that's all that would have to be done. But there's a reason why we use. Right. And if a person isn't working on that, if they're not in some kind of recovery program with accountability and a sponsor and working some sort of a program to where they are enlarging on their spiritual condition, they're accountable, then their chances of, of relapse are very strong very very strong. So my question to you, I guess, and then I'm going to open this up for you guys, are you ready to actually say the first time you're out of here?
5: Right. Um I pray so. <clears throat> That's I think about that every day.
3: Because because legally if there's illegal substances on your yeah, property, you're exactly. liable.
5: I know. And that's terrifying to me. Now,
3: alcohol isn't illegal.
5: Well, he can't have it, though, I guess. He's not Right,
3: But it. because he's on probation right. or parole, right. he can't have any substances. Right. Um, just because marijuana is now legalized in this state doesn't, for recreational yeah. purposes, it doesn't make it legal for him to no. use it.
4: Well, and that, I think that would be the easiest thing to do. Is to say, well, it's marijuana; it's legal, <clears throat> because I have an, another friend who her husband just relapsed, and, and that was his. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I said, well, you need to set some boundaries and not even accept, even if it is marijuana. And she goes, but, but his comeback is, but it's legal, so it's okay for me to use it. I said, but is it okay in your eyes for him? It's a drug, so is it okay in your eyes? With your says, kids well, on no. your property. On right. Your, right. Mm-hmm. And she says, but I don't <clears throat> know how to, it'd be hard for me to say you're out of here because it's marijuana and it is legal. I said, well, what if he was an alcoholic? You know, you mm-hmm. can go buy beer anywhere. Right. Would that be, you know, and so that as an addict and a codependent, that's a real struggle.
3: Yeah. What do you guys think, Marv, Any comment? Denver? Any comment? Well, it struck me, and I,
2: and I'm not trying to be real pious. Sure. I think I think it's true, but everything you read uh, prior to starting to talk, yeah, the wines, everything has to do, in my opinion, with People who are leaving God out. Mm. Mm. They're running their lives based on their emotions. The human uh uh mentality we have in our world today is, you know, if, if it feels good, you know, mm-hmm. I'm okay, you're okay. And, sure. And all that's all human stuff. Yeah. That's not what God says. Right. And I know I look back on some of the things I've gotten into even with my my brother and my wife. And, and I realize at some point in time that what I was doing is telling God, really, what I was I was telling him. I was saying, you know what? I got this.
5: Mm-hmm. This
2: is my deal. I'll handle it. And I screwed it up. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, we think and we're I, helping. Yeah.
2: And I can see where I... So I guess... That's a comment. It, yeah, uh, it, it really struck me how all through this whole program so far, uh, not that we're, acts, ax- but the things that are brought up, uh, right,
3: are leaving God out. You bet they are. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. Selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, mm-hmm. and, and and really, uh, an element of codependency code is very selfish and prideful. You know, no, I can no. fix that- you. <laughs> I can fix you. I'm I'm, nothing wrong with me. You're the problem. You're the horse's patootie, not me. You know, and unfortunately, addiction is a is a family illness. It affects everyone. And God
4: spoke to me very clearly that in one incident um, was you can't be His savior. I'm His savior, Mm. and it's like step aside or else. And so that's when I stepped aside, mm-hmm. you know? Right.
5: That's pretty clear, yeah. yeah.
3: It's kind of like, if you don't get out of my way, you could kill him.
4: Mm-hmm. I would be responsible is actually the word right. that I heard, was you'll be responsible.
3: What do you think about all this, Denver?
6: I think it's one of those shows I enjoy listening to. <laughs> <laughs> See I how I just
3: wiggled out of that? <laughs> no, I, I, uh,
6: it's wonderful, Marv. thank you. That was good input, and, uh. It's a sticky situation. Addiction sucks. From any angle you come at, addiction yeah. sucks. So, uh, past that, I like I said, I'm listening right now, and uh I don't have a lot of input from the codependent side because I've been a taker, you know. I haven't been a large giver
0: mm-hmm.
6: in my life, so... It's unfortunate I do know that uh, I have put family members of mine and friends through some uh, trying times because of uh, me taking advantage of them, knowing how to play. We're players, us people oh, okay. with addictions. We will take that checkbook and take the last check out. That was, you it, bet. Yeah, That's the way that works. Is <laughs> We've thought that through, and we're going to, uh, as deviously as we can, pull our scheme off. So, uh, yeah, it just, it's horrible things that we, uh, addicts will do, and, it, and it's, it's horrible that we put people through w- what they have to go through. It's wonderful when, uh, I hope you stand your ground.
5: Thank you. That's, uh, <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah.
6: Boundaries are really important. We've talked a lot about boundaries here, and it's easy to set them, and it's difficult in, in the moment mm-hmm. That's to stand true. up for <laughs> them. So
3: Especially especially if, if your your addicted loved one is in your face mm-hmm. doing yeah. the manipulation thing mm-hmm. and trying to confuse you.
4: Well, well, and one of the words they like to use is you don't trust me, you don't believe in me. Yeah. You know. Um and that throws the codependent in like mm. because a course I mean, that's what we want to do is to be able to trust you. So when you're telling me I'm not then that kind of blows our mind because...
3: You feel like you're betraying your loved one. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? And you're really not. You're actually on their side. Mm -hmm. They don't see that. Of course. But they're asleep. Their logical, common sense, and all that is asleep. And their addict is raging. And your addict can be alive and well, even if you're not using. Because the obsession... The addictive obsession happens when we're stone cold sober, not when we're using. The phenomenon of craving, where you can't control how much you use, happens once you use. Oh. That happens oh, yeah. once you use. But it's what what you're thinking is like when you're stone cold sober. This time I can drink like a gentleman. This time I'll just take $40 out of the ATM and get a small bag of dope.
6: One glass one, instead yeah. of one bottle.
3: This, t- Yeah. One glass. I'll just have one glass. This time, I'm not going to contact my old using buddies. I'm going to use by myself over at the park. You know, all this thinking like I'm going to manage it—that's mm-hmm. obsessive thinking. And until that obsession is removed, and we know here in this room, there's only one that can do that, mm-hmm. and that's God. And that brings into what Marv was saying: if God's not in this picture, it's going to be a rough ride.
5: And that's scary for me. I've been telling Marcia that. Since we, gosh, forever, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's absolutely. If the prayer I have daily is that he would find God, mm-hmm. accept God into his life, because I know for a hundred percent fact that's the only way that mm-hmm. he has a chance.
2: Sure,
3: sure. If he's an addict or an alcoholic, like like, like I am, like Denver is, Amen. like Harvey is gonna to have to have God in our lives. Now there are some people that are abusers and aren't addicts. Um they don't ha they don't have the allergic reaction, they don't have the phenomenon of craving, they don't have the obsession. It isn't wow. all they think about, uh that kind of thing. Um but most most of the time people that constantly relapse and all that kind of thing, yeah, they're probably not just abusers.
4: Right. You know one thing that helped for me as far as um sticking to the boundaries is to realize that um, I'm not dealing with Monty. I'm dealing with the addict at that time. Right. And so I, if you can separate the person you know and the addict and, and realize that you're dealing with the addict, and so I have to stick to my boundaries um, because they're not, who, they're not the person you know. You know when they're in their addictive behavior. Yeah, you're not actually. Bet- <clears throat> you
3: you weren't actually betraying me, but you were you were getting in the face of the addict when you made that tape, that videotape, mm-hmm. and said, oh, you know, I'm because she, she had to make a video because she couldn't do it in front of me, so she did the next best thing and she made a videotape. Well, you were around for one. Thing. Right. And so <laughs> I, I sat down and watched it, and 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 that was, she was on fire. No. And I needed, I needed to hear that. So, well, so. because
4: in front of you, I couldn't be that pissed off, <laughs> right? You know, because it was in the moment. Because what was happening at the time, mm-hmm. I had so much anger that if I wouldn't have done it then, then I would have soft pedaled it, and I would have mm-hmm. cushioned it because I didn't want to hurt him, you know, don't want to hurt the the, the addict and make him feel bad mm-hmm. about himself. So, so
3: if you look, if you look at. your your own codependency as being something that's actually harming them. Right. So then you really go, you know, I really am betraying them when I say, oh, next time. Or, okay, you're right, you know. Uh, and And you 're on their side, whether they know it or not you 're on their side when you don't let them get away with it and it, you know here 's the deal if I get away with something i don 't know about you guys, <laughs> but if I get away with it i 'll do it again i 'm gonna do it again that 's just that 's just the sin nature of humans you don 't have to be an addict or an alcoholic no. <laughs> you know if I can eat a couple of snickers bars. <laughs> and my sugar level not go off the roof, I'm probably going to need a couple more Snickers bars. As a diabetic, that's not good, right? So, I mean, and, and so you have to look at it as uh, this is an illness. And if my loved one had cancer, I wouldn't sneak him out of the hospital to go home and not have his treatment, right? No. Mm hmm. And uh, so this is hard stuff. So when I ask you the question, are you ready to hold him Mm -hmm. accountable? Mm -hmm. You know, that is huge.
5: That is huge. Um, And again, it's something I think about daily, especially the closer that it gets to him being released. Right. Um, Well, and
4: you really won't know until that moment. You won't. But you are, I think, doing the right steps. You're you're praying. You're asking God for his help. You're, you already in your mind know that you can call the parole officer. Right. I mean, you have, you've set up steps to take. Right. Now, in that moment, you might, all those steps might go out the window. You won't know until, until that time. But...
5: What I found interesting, too, was the house that I ended up getting is directly across the street from the parole office. <laughs> so I thought that was... Convenient. Yeah, very uh-huh. convenient.
3: So you know one of the places that I when I was living in Texas, one of the places I use the most. <coughs> oh no. Right behind the cop shop.
5: For real. Because
3: no one's gonna suspect that. <laughs> Park my car back there, do a do it hit a dope. Cops go by. <laughs> Monty.
5: Monty. Wow. <Whoa. laughs>
3: we we're clever. <laughs>
4: Yeah. No, well, we're we, at, you we're call addicts, it clever. Right? I call it. We're that. addicts.
3: We think we're clever. Yeah. So here's here's the, here's the other piece. What is Heather doing for Heather when it comes to her own recovery? Because remember, codependency—the right. drug is Mike. Your drug, She's so weird, is Mike.
5: <laughs> Codependence. Like, I, don't dr-
3: I, no. I don't want that drug. I know. But codependence drugs is, is the other person. And so right. what are you doing, you know, just going to – and we played a PSA for Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. You know, are, and I'm not saying all Al-Anon meetings are healthy. I'm not saying all AA meetings are healthy. I'm not saying every church you go to is healthy. But you've got to find a support system that you're plugged into, especially if they're living on your property, yeah. that you're plugged into <laughs> on a regular basis – whether that's once a month, once a week, but whatever it is, is that it's consistent. So you have somebody that knows and has been there that you can be accountable to, just like <coughs> Mike needs a sponsor to be accountable to. Right. You know, and we don't like thinking of that. Well, I'm not the sick person. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Yep.
5: So
3: you what s- are you doing for you? What's your plan to take care of Heather?
5: Well, I've been thinking about that too. I used to meet with Marsha once a week. Right. Um, and my plan in my mind was to start going to a group, but then that never happened. I didn't start doing that. Because, again, I think that part of me, to be honest, okay, I'm okay now. I can I can pick up now, and I've got the tools. Um, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. But I was just talking to a good friend of mine a couple weeks ago about gonna be on the show yeah and uh got to talking about how marsh and i used to meet and she says well why don't you do that anymore don't you think i mean just from talking with me she asked the same kind of question yeah um and it really has been making me think especially like you said um since he's going to be getting out i can definitely see i could relapse back into those sure, because retailers. your drug is
3: now within arm's reach.
5: Right, right. Oh gosh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So for you, it's kind of like the alcoholic keeping a beer in their refrigerator and saying, "I'm going to put that in there to remind me not to drink it." <laughs> yeah. Well, that would work out. Yeah. yeah. So you got your beer in your refrigerator.
5: Yeah.
3: Or in a few days. In a few days, yeah, soon. So you're at high risk to relapse.
5: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
3: Right. So you need some protective boundaries Mm -hmm. around you. Some people that love you enough, care enough about you to call you on your crap.
5: Right. Right. And that's okay. Yeah.
3: Even if they're wrong, it's okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you really need to consider that really highly. I
5: agree. Uh, And what's also interesting is that where I work, Right across the street, there's a group that meets. Um, there you go. Every Tuesday, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So what's my excuse now? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
3: So if you're going to go into yeah. battle, right? When 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 police officer, one of the shows that Marsh and I like to watch is called Blue Bloods, oh. and whenever they go in into where there's going to be, you know, guns going out, they they got their bulletproof vests on, right? Are you walking into battle without your bulletproof vest? Because if you are, you're going to get taken out. Right. And then that's not going to help him.
0: I agree.
3: Yeah. So it's And there's people listening to this show right now that are going, mm, boy.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> My vest is dusty.
3: <laughs> My vest is dusty. <laughs> so I want to thank you for being willing to come on and talk sure, about this stuff. Yeah. And we'll be checking in with you.
5: Okay, yeah, I hope so. I've got Marcia <laughs> every day. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>
3: True, it's true. Listen, uh, coming up on March thirteenth at Celebrate Recovery, and that by, by the way, that's a really good place to go to too, because there's codependents and addicts and alcoholics and uh, people that are eating things. One and, big happy family. I it's was one say, big family.
5: put them all in a <laughs> yeah. room together. It's great.
3: Um, Tuesday, March thirteenth uh, at seven p.m. Dinner starts at six, uh, and it's free. At seven p.m., is uh, recovery nationally known recovery recording artist Heather Lane is going to be at Hope Church. Uh, here in Albany, Oregon. You don't want to miss that if you're in the area. And next week on this show, the director of Oregon Recovers, Mike Marshall, will be here to talk about the nonprofit organization Oregon Recovers and what that's all about. Excellent. Um, so we have kind of a, a humorous codependent song to close with I oh, want geez. you to listen oh, to.
6: <laughs> this will be fun.
3: This is uh, Scott Calickstein. He's been on the show before years ago. You can visit his website at Scott Songs com. This is called just a codependent love song. Oh my! Uh, so check 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 this out.
7: Music has the power to really touch people, reach people, uplift people, instruct, educate, heal, and popular music. You know, especially love songs do not do it. Um, the songs that you listen to on the radio, most of them are really about codependency and fear and holding on and. You know, once you have found her, never let her go. (laughs) You know, let's be serious about that. If you really used that as your philosophy, you'd end up having a lot of restraining orders on you. (laughs) What we consider romance is not very healthy. You know, you made me love you. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I can't smile without you. Get a life. So this is my little antidote. Uh, I call it sometimes. I call it number 15 codependency block, because if you sing this little ditty, uh, you your mind will be protected, shielded from the negative effects of the lyrics of today's codependent songs, and then you can enjoy them and not be freaked out by them. So please join me in learning this, and we can sing it together, and then go through some of our
0: favorite oldies. Just a codependent love song One that's filled with pain and misery Just a codependent love song Glorifying insecurity Okay, let's sing that together Just a codependent love song One that's filled with pain and misery Just a codependent love song Glorifying insecurity I know I'll never love this way again So I keep holding on Till the good is gone Just a codependent love song one that's filled with pain and misery. Just a codependent love song. Glorifying insecurity.
7: The 1950s was a time where the United States government was experimenting with subliminal technology to seeing how it might affect the masses of people like you and me. They put some of these messages, these subliminal messages, underneath some of the 50 songs that we were listening to. And if you listen to your old 45s really carefully, you might be able to find some of these hidden subliminal messages. Listen very closely right now and try to find the hidden message of blame and being a victim underneath the following.
0: You don't remember me
7: But I remember
0: you It was not so long ago You broke my heart in two Tears on my pillow Pain in my heart Caused by you
7: Anybody find it?
0: (laughs) A lot of psychics in Detroit. (laughs) Just a codependent love song, one that's filled with pain and misery. Just a codependent love song, glorifying insecurity.
7: Well, we can go on all night, as you know, but we're going to close this melody with the song that Barry Manilow won his 12th codependent Grammy of the year.
0: Glad when you're glad, if you knew what I'm going through, I just can't smile. <laughs> just a codependent love song, one that's filled with pain and misery. Just a codependent love song, glorifying
3: insecurity. That's Scott Kallickstein. You can visit his website, learn more about him, and hear more of his songs at scottsongs.com, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-G-S.com. Special thanks to our special guest, Heather, today for sharing her story of experience, strength, and hope. And for the rest of the team, thank you guys so much. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now.
4: This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.
0: she's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty,
2: meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <laughs> <laughs>